Do you want me to play the intro music? Oh, yeah, yeah, play the intro music. Okay. <laughs> Warm me up here. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Double Cuzzies, where two people who share 25% of their DNA and their entire extended families talk about life. Double Cousins. It's like if Luke and Owen Wilson married Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen and had kids. The Olsen Olsons. The Olsen Olsen. Wilson Olsen. The Wilson Olsen. Did I say Wilson or did I say Olsen? I think you said Olsen. Did I? Oh, shit. I don't know. have to listen to it. Okay. I'll reintroduce it. It's like if... Luke and Owen Wilson married Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen and had kids. That is a tongue twister because it's married Mary-Kate and Ashley Mm. Olsen. I'm not sure what I said. Good thing we have it on tape. Yeah, we have both options. Mary, Mary Mary-Kate. There's a Kanye lyric that he refers to marrying Mary-Kate and Ashley. Just reminded me of that. Mm. Anyway, (laughs) so... The Wilson Olsons. The Wilson okay. Olsons. Their couple well, name I would be Wilsons or Olsons. The Wilsons. The Wilsons. <laughs> yes. When you said Luke, I thought you were going to say Luke Skywalker because I just had our theme on my mind. It's like if Luke and Leia Skywalker <laughs> married each other. No way. <laughs> Strong that siblings or dating vibes. <laughs> almost happened. Yeah. But yeah, you know, um, Owen Wilson is Lightning McQueen, the voice of Lightning McQueen, and Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen are siblings of Elizabeth Olsen, who is, uh, what's her name, Uh, Scarlet Witch, Wanda from WandaVision and the Marvel Universe. Never watched that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're all owned by Disney in some way. Yeah, they're they're all Disney slaves. <laughs> yes, they are all Disney slaves. Yep. It's um I feel like well, we're gonna get into that because this week's discussion is about Disney. Uh but yeah, I feel like uh Disney is definitely like the American version of the K pop system where it just mm, it just churns okay. out hits and it's a boot camp of like once you're in that system, you are going to be successful, but the, you, they own you also. Yeah. 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 It all starts with the Mickey Mouse Club. And mm-hmm. then you got you Justin know. Timberlake, you got Christina Britney Aguilera, Britney Spears, Zendaya, <laughs> Selena Gomez, Ariana um, yeah. Grande. Yeah. Justin Bieber also? Uh, no, he was YouTube. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. The competitor to Disney. <laughs> <laughs> The crypto <laughs> to Disney's <laughs> FDIC talk. banking no. system. <laughs> yeah, so I think for this week's episode, we were going to talk about uh, growing up with Disney as Disney kids. Clearly, we have a lot of uh, knowledge of the Disney universe in our heads. Um, but yeah, our relationship with Disney and Disney movies over time and uh, how we're approaching them now and, and some rewatching that we've done on some of them, uh, some of the movies that we watched either more recently or as children. And mm-hmm. uh, it just hits a little bit differently, you know? Yeah, I, I feel like the movie and the, and the content have changed drastically since we were younger, too. For so, sure. I mean, seeing those at this age is obviously going to hit differently. But yeah, the themes are just 
uh, Disney's doing the work. I yeah. mean, you watch any of the recent Disney Pixar movies and it takes you on a ride. It makes you think about everything. Yeah. So. Who is Disney's therapist? I'd like a referral because they seem mm-hmm. to be making progress. <laughs> yeah. What kind of drugs are these writers and Imagineers doing? That's what I want to know. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll talk about it. But it, I was watching Inside Out and I was thinking about like, what psychologist did they have consult on this movie? Because they were using some very technical mm-hmm. terms, which I, I didn't fact check, but I assume to be factual and true. But Nope. Disney's yeah. just out there pumping <laughs> misinformation to children. <laughs> no, I had heard There's an interview, though. Interview. Yeah, I had heard an interview with like the director of that movie and talking about the research that they did and uh, mm. the child psychologist and everything that they worked with for it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, doing the work yeah. for sure. Yeah. But before we get too far, I mean, Emily and I, I think we were kind of born or naturally Disney fans when we were younger and there's some things to attribute to that but I'm curious as to what are your memories about Disney related things or Disney movies um, in early childhood um, in the early years and where did that come from what do you recall nowadays yeah so I definitely remember you and Michael being really into Disney as kids mm. and then Disneyland as adults too. And I know that you'll get into that, but I think in comparison to that, you know, as always, I like the Disney movies. I like the Disney content, but I wasn't a gigantic fan or really dedicated fan to it. And mm. I like Disneyland, but when I went back, I think for the first time when I was maybe a teenager, and I had to like pay for things myself. I was like, shit, this place is expensive. <laughs> this is expensive. And like, shit, these lines are long. Like, this sucks. <laughs> uh, and so I definitely didn't like Disney for a while. And mm-hmm. I think that maybe I was at the age, at that time, also, I was sort of at that like age where Disney content was not really targeted towards me. You know, like that sort of mm-hmm. teenager, young adult. It's, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of content as far as like the Disney princesses and everything. Yeah. What about those Disney Channel movies? Like the Zoog movies. Rink. It's the right time for a Zoog movie. Yeah, and Xenon. Yeah. yeah, I guess you're right. You know, I think Johnny that the Tsunami. content. Yes. Oh, yes. Representation. Hell yeah. AAPI representation. Um, yeah, you're right. Now that I actually, I forgot mm-hmm. that the Disneyverse is so huge that it includes all of those types of Zoog movies. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so I think, yeah, I was actually pretty heavy into those. Um, but then I think I really found sort of the old school type Disney or like the really like the animated kids movies and stuff more, more so after I had kids, because Mm, then I would, you know, it's like, Oh, well, what can we watch together? And, and so it's like, okay, well, these are safe to watch for the most part. You know, you watch some stuff and you're like, it's kind of, I don't remember that. (laughs) Animation is creepy. Right. It's like, Oh yeah. Scary. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think I, I sort of rediscovered it, but then thinking back to like, because Disney is so expansive too, like it includes so many entities at this point of like Marvel Mm -hmm. and like star Wars and everything. So it's kind of hard to say that I wasn't interested in anything Disney because so many things are Disney. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm like a total content whore where like I watch so much (laughs) stuff that I'm bound to watch a lot of Disney related things too. So yeah. Now you're like, now that I think of it, everything, everything everything is Disney. Disney. This podcast (laughs) is brought to you by Disney. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We have no relation to Disney whatsoever, but if somebody hears this and wants to throw us some free passes, 
I will gladly accept them. <laughs> yeah. I know. I've given Disneyland enough money that I feel like I do. I have earned something. Yeah. I am a shareholder. <laughs> Full disclosure, I am a shareholder. Oh. Not a large one for sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think a that. A share. Yeah. It's in one a share. <laughs> yes. It's framed in a. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think we do have one of those somewhere in the family, too. I but feel like we do. Yeah. Somewhere in the family. Some sort of novelty gift back in the day where it's like, huh. How much has that appreciated since then, now that I'm thinking about it? Where is that? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, what about you, Kalia? What's your experience with Disney growing up I guess I was just uh, projecting my my interest in Disney upon you, but... You're just centering yourself in my life again. (laughs) It's fine. I tend to do that. (laughs) No, I feel like um, a lot of... Well, maybe my early interest in Disney came from Grandma, because she loved Mickey Mouse and classic Disney. I think she was like born the same year that mickey mouse was created so mm. she had kind of an affinity she for... was mickey mouse yes our yes. grandmother was mickey mouse yep. <laughs> <laughs> um but i remember that kind of being like my first exposure so i guess i was just kind of assuming that the same of you and that you i think we did have the obsession. same i think we had, <laughs> like I did too. I think we had the same <laughs> exposure and the same affection i don't think mine went to the <laughs> level of obsession as a kid obsession. though and then uh and then i think the tables have maybe turned a little bit in adulthood mm. where actually i consume a lot more disney content than you yeah. do just because of life circumstance yeah and you'd be pretty yeah. weird too if you didn't have a kid and you watched as much disney plus and disney I mean, content as i do there are people yeah (laughs) it's good content but yeah I was pretty obsessed with Disney when I was young all of the I remember watching some of the older movies and then I think when we were young like Lion King was a big one Pocahontas I remember really loving Mm -hmm. Pocahontas Mm -hmm. and she was kind of my favorite like quote-unquote Disney princess character Mm -hmm. um and I think she she looked different than everybody else and I loved the songs and the themes uh, kind of odd themes, actually. Historical themes. Yeah, let's we'll, we'll um, talk about that in a second. <laughs> yeah, and the problems with Disney, too. Um, mm-hmm. But I th- she was my favorite. I had a hamster or a gerbil growing up that I named Pocahontas. You're welcome, Pocahontas. <laughs> Thank you, Pocahontas. Thank you, Pocahontas. We will cut out this very inside joke. <laughs> Thank you, Cadbury. You're welcome, Pocahontas. <laughs> we'll go on a 20-minute oh runner God. talking about tiki corn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so Disney-obsessed kid. And then when since um, we were little, I remember I, we would go to Disneyland almost every single year. We would go with Grandma and at least grandma, sometimes with grandpa, I think when we were really little, but it was something that I strongly associate with um, grandma and kind of sharing that love and um, obsession for Disneyland. So yeah, my definitely Disney childhood, like strong 90s kids, kid experience with a lot of Disney themes. So from the movies to the parks, um, that was what I loved. So yeah, definitely has changed in adulthood. I don't keep up with the movies or the content as much anymore. I still love Disneyland. Um, Up until the pandemic, I think we were still, my brother and I, going there almost every single year. So um, unlike your teenage experience, when you grow up (laughs) going all the time, you definitely get taken away by the magic. (laughs) It is still really weird and expensive, but like 
it's it's just like a part of our lives so yeah um, oh I'm not judging it for sure and I think yeah. I, I feel like I it's it's so nice actually that that both of you are so into Disney and like up until the pandemic like you were saying like so comfortable with and like aware of Disneyland because mm-hmm. it was great to go with you guys with my kid mm-hmm. you know and and trying yeah. to go back there again sometime in the near future uh, because it is kind of like it is such a magical experience for them at that age and mm-hmm. it's nice that you were able to keep that magic alive for yourself throughout your teenage years in adulthood yeah. too <laughs> i've rekindled yeah. it but i definitely we were freaks. Lo- i definitely <laughs> lost enchantment uh, i think when i was like in seventh grade <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean the the intake of it and the experience definitely changes, but I think just because we've been exposed to it so much, it's just like you appreciate the little things and the classic things that have stuck around. And um, yeah, it's just all, always been a really fun thing. So pretty obsessed with Disney, still appreciate Disney as an adult, but I don't consume the content uh, as much. So yeah, that kind of sums up my, my relationship with Disney. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I'm just thinking about themes of the content when we were younger. Um, you know, I think it was very much kind of like the movies were that, you know, princess prince mm-hmm. mentality or like the hero and like the, the, the damsel, in, yeah, damsel in distress yeah. and the villain mm-hmm. and the epic hero quest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Aladdin was a big one when we were little too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, same kind of classic themes, um, and then I don't I don't know if we can really compare the TV content to that, but um, yeah, I just think in general movie themes and overall just kind of stories and messages behind them have changed so much since we were children. Yeah. And that's something that both of us have talked about and chatted about lately. So we decided we'd record an episode about it. Right, right. <laughs> so let's break it down since uh, since we are so well versed in the content now, and you've done a bit of a refresh. <laughs> So, Kaylee, you spoke a little bit about how Pocahontas was your favorite, uh, and and like, why do you think that was? And then let's talk about how problematic that movie was, also. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, when you're a kid, obviously, there's very little context to compare it to. So, I think when I was little, I was just I loved the music in that movie. Mm-hmm. I loved the themes, the animals. I thought. Pocahontas was just like the ideal princess character. She had long black hair like me and she was just, she was different. So I really loved just like the visuals and and I don't know if I really loved the story, maybe parts of the story when I was little, but um, yeah, just kind of came together to be the perfect movie for child Kalia at that time. <laughs> yeah, I think I had a similar experience too. Of like when Pocahontas came out, it was like, wow, she's so beautiful and graceful and strong and mm-hmm. looks kind of like me or at least more like me than the rest of the Disney princesses. And yeah. the rest of the Disney princesses, I think up to that point, were still following the narrative very much of like being saved. By a prince mm. and yeah, yeah like the Pocahontas, Pocahontas was movie, yeah, she <laughs> she had her own life and she was doing her own shit, uh, which is why it's unfortunate that you know she uh, got romantically entangled or whatever it was with John Smith, which John in Smith. reality is like a really fucking weird situation to think about because I think Pocahontas was like a teenager or something. Mm. Like historically, I think Pocahontas was very young. Mm. Same thing as Sacagawea. 
<laughs> History likes to paint them as these yeah. these strong women figures, but it's like, actually, it was just Lewis and Clark and John Smith hanging out with a teenage girl. Kind of weird. She's too young. Yeah, she's too young. <laughs> I'm pretty sure anyways. I'm going to put this hot take out there, and then I'm going to Google check <laughs> that Pocahontas okay. actually was much younger than she was portrayed in the movie. <laughs> That's just your hot take. Yeah, yeah. and if I'm wrong, then we'll edit it out. <laughs> and if I'm right, then I'll be like, yeah, see, I'm smart. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of a podcast. So you're, if you're hearing this now, she was right. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember having any kind of affinity for a particular Disney movie when you were younger? Because like you said, you weren't so much into the content in the movies or like the, I guess, classic Disney movies. Are there any that you remember liking those as a child? I think really just Mulan. Mm. I mean, for so many of the like really obvious reasons that yeah. it's like, oh, she's the first Asian you know, in an Asian princess, uh, or like East Asian princess, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh yeah, what's this? What's that guy's name? The general guy I was like, he was really hot. <laughs> so it was mm-hmm. like that was you know. So I think that was kind of formative. <laughs> like, Eddie Eddie Murphy as Mushu, the small red dragon. So, so sexy, <laughs> so sexy. Just like yeah, I mean, red is such a fortunate color too. It's just the perfect Mushu, yeah. such an authentic Mushu. name. <laughs> Oh, that movie also has problems, too. Also very problematic. Yeah, I did not watch the live-action remake. Did you watch that? Oh, yeah. No, I didn't. No. Um, I know there was controversy, but... Yeah. I will not comment on it because I have not watched it. So that would be like a really hot take of like, I know nothing about this movie. Let me tell you what's wrong with it or what's right with it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember... I don't remember like loving Mulan, but definitely like, oh, this is different. These are themes that are present in my real life. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the story was so different. Like she was kind of a pseudo princess, but like cross-dressing warrior woman too. Yeah, it was a very different type of princess development (laughs) than the other movies were too. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe I didn't quite appreciate the depth of that as a kid, you know, until until later in life of like, oh, yeah, that actually was a much more complicated situation um, mm. where it's like she's trying to it's like it, it's always a journey of self-discovery. Right. But it's it's like for Mulan, it was she knew who she was mm. and it was society who was like, you can't be that. Whereas like in a lot of these other princess stories, it was like, I don't know who I am and I don't know what yeah. I want. And it's like or, oh, I just want that cute prince and I'm a 16 year old mermaid and I'm going to give up everything for him. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. So, yeah, some of the Ooh, older, older just, movies are a little ruined, weird. Ruined Little Mermaid for me. I did, I, before, was the first time you thought about Little Mermaid in that way. <laughs> Well, before we get into too far into the movie discussion, I'm just going to add into this conversation that I have terrible movie memory. Oh, I have I excellent movie like memory, you... so this is going to be bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So mine is so bad, sometimes I'll be watching a movie in like three quarters of the way and I'll be like, oh, I've seen this. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll remember general themes and of course like the gist of Little Mermaid, but yeah, some of, some of the finer details just for some reason doesn't take up space in my memory. All right. So, so I guess for the rest of this episode, then what we're going to do is you're going to talk about all of the movies that you loved as a child and that have such <laughs> cherished memories of. And then I will dissect them and ruin that for you. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. The woke mob is coming for your childhood (laughs) memories, Kalia. I'm going to have to go to therapy after this. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think because Disney was so present in our childhoods and throughout our lives to a certain extent, you know, and, and to varying extents that it was watching their content and, looking at their characters and everything is very formative, right? Of like trying mm-hmm. to see yourself reflected in some of these things. And, and then, you know, and then also just trying to see yourself reflected in things that aren't necessarily targeted at you because mm. back in the day, there was nothing that was really targeted at you. And so it was kind of the things that are just, okay, the most based human experience. Those are the mm. things that I can relate to, you know? Yeah. And there was so little content too. I mean, in addition to lack of diversity in the content, like all kids are watching the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, that's what everybody at school was relating to or thinking about. And I guess like at least movies and pop culture, is that, would you call that pop culture? Disney culture at least. (laughs) So, you know, like the streaming content wasn't a thing. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you you see it in a theater, you have the VHS tapes and all kids watch Disney Channel. So I feel like it was such a pervasive part of being a child in the 90s. Yeah, it was the culture. Mm-hmm. Not just Disney culture. It's the it was the culture. <laughs> the culture. <laughs> it's a Disney yeah. world. We're all just living in it. <laughs> yeah. We're all Disney slaves. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> oh, man, 20 minutes in and we took a hard spiral. <laughs> let's take a pause. I need to digest this. Yeah. Yeah, let's take a little pause. Um yeah, actually, let's take a little pause and we can play this excellent commercial that I've cooked up for us. Oh, and then thank can, goodness. I hope can... this gives me a break. <laughs> Um, (laughs) probably not. (laughs) Here it comes. From the people who brought you the racist Siamese cats in Lady and the Tramp, and a lot of other problematic movies. Please accept our apologies and join us this summer for our wokest season yet of Disney on Ice. Featuring all your LGBTQIA plus and BIPOC favorites, like... The black guy in Frozen 2 who randomly lived in medieval Norway? That lesbian Cyclops in Onward? Gaston, because that guy has to be gay, right? Sebastian from The Little Mermaid, who according to Wikipedia is a red Trinidadian crab and a servant of King Triton, and also his main musical composer. A servant of the king and his minstrel? What the fuck? Put your snow chains on for a drive with Cruz Ramirez from Cars 3, because she's yellow and Latina. The main character from Soul, played by Jamie Foxx, until he got turned into a cat, and then Tina Fey ended up playing the black guy. And featuring a very special MC for the show, Eddie Murphy. Not as Mushu or Donkey, just as himself. So join us this summer for Disney on Ice, Critical Ice Theory. Oh man, that came that out of my brain. Something special. <laughs> Critical ice theory this summer. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I called out. I called out a lot of problematic things and uh, some some tokenism that was included in in uh, hmm. Disney canon over time. But I, I do really think that they have done a much better job within the past, like. 
five to ten years. The content that oh, they've yeah. been putting out has been very good. So yeah, I feel like D- Disney has definitely become a little more woke and representative. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, which I, I respect because obviously they reach such a big audience. Of and what I really appreciate now about their movies is that. I think they appeal. They can have the Sesame Street effect. They appeal to children and adults, mm-hmm. or can, um, and they they tackle complex um, situations and ideas, but also make it digestible for children. Yeah. So I maybe think we that's should that's maybe we should uh, take our time to focus more on on the good things that are coming out now yeah. and how we benefit from them. Now that we've <laughs> talked about the first half of all of the problematic things and how it really scarred us as children. <laughs> yeah, like, thank you for that commercial pointing out very specific examples. I did not know that about Sebastian. I didn't either. Hmm. I thought that he was, you know, I didn't know what that accent was basically mm-hmm. but uh it's like oh that's how that's how lobsters sound when they speak english mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah <laughs> but he's a crab <laughs> yeah i mean looking back at the design of sebastian too pretty racist <laughs> don't think yeah. too hard about it i guess <laughs> no, no no don't look back <laughs> don't look back don't look up don't look back <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Kalia, you uh, you mentioned that you just rewatched Inside Out, and that's probably a very good example yes. of uh, like a, a pivot or a major sort of step that Disney has made in uh, the, mm-hmm. the level of emotional depth and examination that they do in their movies. Oh, yeah, that's what the whole movie was. Yeah. That one, I'm just doing some quick Googling. That one came out in 2015, so that yeah. one maybe was like the first one that went there. Um I feel like that may have marked kind of like the the emotional side of. I mean, Disney has always been emotional, but the the phase of Disney digging really deep. So. I think it's the pro. It's like they've always been very emotional, but then it's about dealing with the emotions mm. in that particular yeah. movie. Whereas a lot of the other yeah, movies, I feel like down. it was kind of like, oh, people are feeling these things, and this person's mad and sad and excited mm-hmm. and whatever, but then not really the inner workings of the yeah. thought process that drives Yeah, but it's like all of the characters are toys, so, yeah. you know, yeah. Toy Story franchise. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I feel like Inside Out definitely tackled things pretty directly. I'm scrolling through the Disney list of movies to see mm. when it started changing a little bit yeah the joy oh, luck so- club is a disney movie what hollywood Did pictures they- i mean it shows the reach huh. <laughs> what's wow. love got to do with it it's because they have like touchstone and hollywood oh okay no we we're just talking about <clears throat> disney disney yeah disney disney things that have the disney d in front of the mm-hmm. movie yeah <laughs> He's got that D. He's got that D. Because the castle in the beginning, yeah. Yeah. That D <laughs> castle. Brother okay. Bear in Brother 2003. Bear. That was a good one. That's a sleeper. That's definitely a sleeper. Brother Bear. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think I saw that one. Aside from, like, well, Pocahontas, mm. I want to say, I think that's probably the only representation of indigenous people. Mm, interesting. I might hmm. be forgetting something else too, but scrolling through my brain of Disney content. Here. Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Inside Out was 2015. Up was 2009, I was but I wouldn't say Up was, was overly yeah. like going at the issues. No, the thing about so I when I was watching Inside Out, it was peculiar because it's it's a pretty good movie and it does a great job just breaking down 
the function of these emotions and I appreciate the visuals and everything and how they made this world but I don't think that's necessarily a great movie for children especially compared to the Disney movies who have more like musical sequences mm -hmm. and that are very flashy and entertaining Inside Out to me was almost like a little too serious and cerebral and like the animation got kind of that way as well so so it was peculiar to me rewatching it. I'd seen it before, but as I said, terrible movie memory. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, it, it hits differently, not just because of the themes in other Disney movies, but I think because of just the way everything is put together, but still very, very well done. And, and even just, you know, as a 30-something-year-old, I watch that and it makes you think about the inner workings of yourself differently. So yeah. Good job with that. Good job, Disney. Good job. Good job, Disney. You know, I think uh, I, I didn't really think about that until you just said it of like, oh, yeah, the animation and everything is not it's not really geared towards kids. And I think that it, it, you're right. of like It's not geared towards young kids, like little mm. kids. Uh, but I think for the age of like the main character in that movie, right? Sort of that mm -hmm. like 10 years old and older, mm. it's probably is appealing to them because they're maybe, yeah. and I don't know what kids that age like <laughs> these days, but mm -hmm. maybe they are able to understand it more and to appreciate it without the musical numbers and, and sort mm. of that traditional style of like plot development. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think maybe it, it was designed more for, Older kids. Older kids or even yeah. parents of young kids mm. like myself where it's like, yeah. oh, yeah. Okay, so this is a way to talk to your children about emotions, yeah. right? So it's yeah. even if the kids aren't absorbing all of the messages from it, it's, mm -hmm. it's done in a way where adults can understand it at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, little child. So there are these balls of memories <laughs> in, all these balls your in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> Too literal. But I think that's a great point. I feel like Disney is doing the work and breaking down those things and making people of all ages think about these themes in a very different way. And, and another movie that I think did similarly, you know, maybe appealing to the older child generation or audience, but also, or more so the adults was uh, soul, which came out mm, one recently. or two years ago. Mm -hmm. Did you see that one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one was really brilliant, really beautifully done. Not, you know, a, a conventional, like really entertaining, fun Disney movie through and through, but definitely focused on tackling that subject yeah um <laughs> it was like as deep as that as that type of children's movie could get into that topic i guess you know yeah. like the afterlife exactly. and creation and you know yeah. the soul the concept of the soul um mm -hmm. yeah that movie was really good um i think the the one that came out shortly after inside out was zootopia and oh, I, I never saw that oh one. okay that one I think at the time it was getting some uh, some negative feedback from people who are like, it's just so over the head. It's, it hits mm. you over the head with it of like, oh, you shouldn't be racist or whatever. And it's like, oh. this is a children's movie. So yeah, the messages and themes need to be pretty overt. And mm. I do think that it was still done in a way where it's like, oh yeah, it's really jokey and it's animals. So it's safe to kind of talk mm. about stereotypes in the lens of in its the, animals, you know? Yeah. Um, but I didn't know that was the theme of those yeah, movies. Yeah, wow. you should definitely watch that. So mm. it's uh, about breaking boundaries. Yes. 
Oh. Yeah. Breaking boundaries and stereotypes. There are some very not so subtle jokes, I guess. Not subtle if you're if you're woke, not subtle. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're racist, not funny, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I was wearing jokes. It was the mixed reception of that movie, I guess. That, that it was the racist and the woke people watching it. No, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Wow. I'm yeah. very interested to see how how they how Disney handled that balance of things yeah and that came out the same year as moana actually i can't believe moana has been out for so long mm-hmm. um, time is weird these days time is really weird yes so it was like you had inside out then zootopia and then moana and then cars three with great representation by cruz ramirez as mentioned <laughs> and then coco coco was a really oh, big coco one was too. great yeah. yeah i feel like coco was um comparable to Encanto in terms of mm-hmm. the the themes and kind of the the music mixed with the animation. Yeah. Um I think those types are definitely good for little kids or more digestible for little kids yeah. or entertaining. I don't know. I don't have kids. I feel Just like, <laughs> I feel like uh, kids would love this. <laughs> Your kids will love this, said somebody with no kids. Um, <laughs> again, Kalia, child psychologist. <laughs> uh, I think Coco was also one of the first movies that I can think of anyways that focused on a male lead in mm. sort of this journey journey type of plot line you know, of mm-hmm. self-discovery too. Because before mm-hmm. that, I think it was all, it, it was very centric around Disney princesses or yeah. inhuman um, main leads, like Finding Nemo yeah. type thing, you know? Yeah. And then I, I guess Up had a boy, but mm-hmm. it was, he wasn't like the main character. Oh, yeah. He, I don't know. Maybe, he, I don't know. I would love to see a spinoff of just Russell and his strong mom, his, his single his single mom raising him <laughs> and his absentee father, basically. I would love to see that that series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Live action. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You would love to see a play. Yeah. I'd love to see a play of that. Sure. <laughs> what was the recent one that was like a fish boy? Fish boy. Luca. <laughs> Luca. Fish boy, fish the movie. Boy. It's Coco meets Finding Nemo. <laughs> Luca. In Italy. <laughs> that movie was excellent. That movie was okay. really, really good. Um, I think that, that that one, again, I think because it was, because it's a, a, a boy lead and it's about like boy friendship and sort of that innocent, you know, stage in life. Um, and so I, I think that was kind of different than a lot of the other movies that they've had. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of commentary when that came out about, is it like, um, it, is it ambiguously gay or is it like, is it, is it kind of like undertones of, is this a signaling at a romantic relationship between these two boys? Oh my God. They're just children, right? <laughs> exactly. And I think that was like the director and the writer of it. They were saying that it was just like, you know, this is about a time, maybe, maybe, maybe one of them is gay. Maybe both of them are gay, but this mm-hmm. is about a time in life where you're not even thinking about that at all. Yeah. Why does that matter? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. And then they make Luca too, and they're just like overtly Overtly gay. gay. <laughs> yeah. I think the comparison that they made to was uh, that movie, <laughs> Call Me By Your Name. With, oh, yeah. With Timothy Chalamet mm-hmm. and Army uh-huh. Hammer. <laughs> Both both actors like who have animated. been referenced on this podcast. <laughs> like animated call me by your name. Yeah. Oosh. 
Fire it sounds like uh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I didn't so I didn't see either of those, but yeah, yeah. I'm just making some assumptions. Yeah, here. you should watch uh you should definitely watch Luca. That was that was really okay. good. That was worth a and watch. That's a, that's a good thing I like about children's movies or animated movies too, is like and especially the way Disney does its writing with these, you know, movies that we've talked about. It's like everyone's gonna have take away a different thing, and it might not be as controversial every single time. But like with Inside Out and Soul and Encanto, there's a whole movie's worth setting up this story and kind of themes and messaging. But everybody is gonna translate it, you know, in their own specific way, whether it's a kid or an adult. And I think it's really cool, and I appreciate that as an adult, I can watch these and kind of, you know, have my mind blown and and think about things differently. So, yeah. yep, good job, Disney. <laughs> thanks disney thanks. doing the work thanks disney doing the work yeah um do you want to go into encanto, encanto or are there any of these titles you want to talk about let's talk about encanto and and before we get into it i think that like i want to say that you know when we talk about representation in some of these earlier movies or, or finding ourselves represented or, or some of our life experiences represented in the themes of these movies i think that encanto for me was one of those where even though it was not our culture, our you know our Asian or Asian American culture that we've talked so much about on this podcast, I felt like the themes and the messages in that movie were in some ways so much more relevant and resonant to my life and my experience than something like Mulan that was mm, very, or, yeah. or even Raya, right? One of the newer ones mm. that is very Asian focused as well. Mm. I think the the struggles that were presented in Encanto were a lot more relatable than the struggles that mm. were presented in some of these other movies, even though they were much more overtly Asian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what yeah. were your impressions yeah. of Encanto? I think, I think that's important to not stereotyping a certain ethnicity or a community's story or their struggles into, you know, one very themed movie. And yeah, mm-hmm. I loved Encanto because it's, it's the story of an immigrant family and how this newer generation kind of comes to realizes what has gone into, you know, this family and the matriarch of the family building in life. And I think it did that in a really, really wonderful way, um, really creative and, and how they uh, kind of develop the characters and the different traits of them. And so I really, really loved it. I mean, it did kind of remind me of um, like themes in Coco too, mm-hmm. just like relating back to family and kind of, you know, appreciating and learning about that part of you and then coming, just like coming to terms with it. And then especially at the end of Encanto, like how do you know that and then relate and communicate to your family members present day too. So I think some very strong themes and similar to you, I maybe just the timing of my life or the way it was written, but I definitely related more to that rather than like a Mulan with kind of overtly Asian themes mm-hmm. and and storytelling. So um, I really think what they did with that movie was uh, very artful. And I feel like it's been getting a lot of chatter, too, from oh, yeah. just just adults who have watched it and rewatched it. So it's definitely hitting with many different groups. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely played Encanto, both the movie and the soundtrack, more times than 
my kids would have wanted. <laughs> and, and I, I definitely find myself listening to the soundtrack by myself in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week. You are like a child, like ask, like playing the song over, over and over it, again. Over and over song. and over again. It's like my kid saying that he wants to watch Blippy over and over again. It's like, no, we're watching Encanto, okay? <laughs> I think that's a good choice. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I would say that like, I sort of charted my, the progress that I've made emotionally and mentally through the pandemic of, Right in the middle of it, at my lowest point, I was really listening to Bo Burnham soundtrack over and over and over and over again. And uh, and most recently, I've been listening to the Encanto soundtrack over and over yeah. and over again. And that seems like a healthier place to be in anyways. Not totally healthy, but a healthier place yeah, to be. Yeah, healthier. Yeah. Healthier. Yeah. Progress. More productive. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I, I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> I don't see the Bo Burnham soundtrack being very... Very uplifting. No, that spiral just goes straight down, right? Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no up there. It's just, uh, no. yeah. It's like you wanna, you wanna feel the crushing weight of all the things wrong in our society. Listen to that soundtrack. And it's like, oh yeah, it's uh, at least some of the songs are catchy, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. nobody can yeah. top Lin Manuel Miranda, together. right? Oh no. Yeah, I didn't realize he did the music for this movie until I was watching the 20 minute long credits at the end. My gosh. Oh, I don't think um, I watched the full credits. I don't know. <laughs> I think they have them in different languages. So it was very, um, very long. Yeah. But um, yeah, um, I will say, and I, as I've mentioned on this pod before, I don't consume a lot of TV and um, especially like animated stuff and Encanto was like very very overwhelming <laughs> there were some of the musical themes I was just like or the scenes and I was just like oh my god what what the fuck is you're such happening? an old person is this what cartoons look like now <laughs> what? just a lot they're yeah. very very stimulating but I can see you know for for kids and the amount of content and bright colors and animation that's out there like that's that sticks with them. So yeah. magical realism. That is what was definitely mm. used in that movie. Consciously mm. magical realism, because I think that's very prevalent in uh, Latin American literature, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah it was, it's very magical. Yeah. You sound like my mom when she was, saw a trailer for happy feet and was like, how did they get the penguins to do that? <laughs> <laughs> my mom, when she saw a trailer for that dinosaurs movie, <laughs> like CPI. <laughs> realistic looking dinosaurs movie and she's like how did they get that footage (laughs) we love you mom (laughs) we love you moms no we're saying this now because that's the exact reaction that you just had about like whoa but i didn't think it was real i wasn't like that the house is flying like no you really really high on some sort of drugs you're like oh my god i live in (laughs) casita it was just overstimulating i didn't think it was actually happening (laughs) oh the sister is how is she that strong who did they cast for this (laughs) oh my god antonio's room how did they build that set (laughs) just wait for the live action encanto man that's gonna be amazing encanto on ice yeah encanto on ice yeah it'll be peppa making an ice storm into an ice rink and then they all come skating out it'll be amazing oh oh my god disney if you're hiring and you need somebody to to brainstorm with you on on that production hit me up (laughs) well digression anyway (laughs) 
So in Encanto, in Encanto, we'll do we'll do alt takes. We can decide which pronunciation. In Encanto. In, in Encanto. In Encanto. Uh, no, nothing, nothing in between. Yeah, but in Encanto, which character do you think uh, you? thought was like most closely resembled things that you feel about yourself or definitely a combination of characters. I find myself relating to a lot of different characters in different ways. Hmm. What was the main character's name? Mirabelle. Mirabelle. That's an interesting question because I didn't really think about that movie in relation to yourself. To me. No. No, I don't center myself in everything. everything. Just most things, just just not my everything. stories, <laughs> yeah. not Disney stories, but my yeah. stories. You center yourself in. <laughs> I think the um, Mirabelle and and kind of like the the realizations and the things she was uncovering with the family, just so like her thought process mm-hmm. definitely resonated me, like as an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, Mirabelle then, is, is the teenager that I wish I was. <laughs> she's the adult she's, that I wish I was. <laughs> she's doing the work at yeah. such a young age. Um, but I think maybe just overall themes in general, non-characters. Like, I loved and appreciated that. For me, I translated that story of wrapping up as, you know, the miracle is that we are here and that, you know, our ancestors or our grandmother came here to build this life. And um, that doesn't mean, even though we all have these gifts that we're quote unquote known for, that doesn't mean that's all we have to be. So I think it was just kind of the overall themes that resonated with me, not specifically characters. Mm -hmm. But what was your takeaway with that movie? Yeah, I mean, I think the the themes overall, like you said, very resonant. And I think especially, Mm -hmm. I I think it was interesting about this movie too, is that there wasn't really an, an overt villain. You know, there wasn't uh, in because even in Coco, there was a villain. Right. It was it was still about sort of fighting family expectations or restrictions. But there was definitely a villain. And and in Kanto, really. Yeah. Like you are your own villain if you like. Right. right. And it it is kind of like, okay, well, you know, Abuela is putting these expectations on her family and Mm. their these people's gifts or their rooms become those their own prisons. But then at the Mm. same time, it's kind of like. I think we we can talk about this a lot of like how much of that expectation and pressure are they putting on themselves as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, so I think Mirabelle is kind of the only one because she lives outside of that pressure mm-hmm. that she can kind of see each of them for who they are as opposed to just their mm-hmm. gifts because she is, you know, not, not, well, no, I guess I, I won't say that spoiler alert. So <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't get too into the movie, I guess, because if you haven't mm-hmm. watched it, and if you're not a Disney fan, then you can just skip this episode anyways. <laughs> you're probably not listening. Anyway. Yeah, you're probably not listening anyway. This isn't for you. This isn't for you. Again, this isn't for you. That's our, our slogan. <laughs> Double cuzzies. This isn't for you. But yeah, I think I related to all of the characters in some regard. But thinking about our family and Mirabelle's mom, uh, what's her mm. name? Julieta, I think. And how mm. she can cure with cooking. And that's sort mm-hmm. of the, you know, the nurturing, caretaking that she provides in that family. And so I think mm-hmm. I, I definitely appreciated that and saw that and see that in our family, too. And then I think, you know, a lot of, I think, women specifically, but really most people very much related to the sister who feels all of the pressure to 
you know, keep the family up and running and fixing things and mm-hmm. not really feeling like Her she can ever take time for herself, too. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people... Uh, so I think that's why that song surface pressure, that's like her sort of solo mm-hmm. that yeah. got like a ton of air. Like, I think a lot of people were listening to that on repeat because <laughs> I had read like articles and memes and stuff just about that, about it's like your oldest daughter is not okay. She's listening to surface pressure on repeat in her room <laughs> you know? and breaking down, breaking down. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think that was very relatable as well. And then I think mm-hmm. the, the sister that was sort of put into this box of like, you are only going to do beautiful and perfect things. And that's all mm-hmm. that you were able allowed to do. And whether mm-hmm. that feels authentic to you or not, I, I think that that, had a lot of resonance too of just sort of feeling like the pressure to put up a put up with appearances right or keep up mm. with appearances as opposed to pursuing mm. things that like really feel challenging and exciting to you so mm-hmm. I think in that regard too like I, I definitely when I was watching it I was thinking I was like yeah Kaylee is definitely like Mirabel and she's a little bit like Isabella also mm. um, you know I think of, of perception versus inner workings of the mind uh, yeah. And then also just having like that outside perspective of like you you see what's going on, <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> you know, and you're able to have those conversations with people even though they maybe mm-hmm. don't want to see that part of themselves anyway. So yeah, that's interesting. And that is your compliment to me for this week. <laughs> yeah, you're the fly in the ointment, and you are mirable magical. <laughs> that is my compliment to you. <laughs> yeah, I think it the the character development or the themes in that movie was. Like how they represented those facets of family that I think are very common in many, you know, ethnic families or Mm -hmm. Asian families, obviously, and then um, Hispanic families as well. I I didn't notice them saying exactly where this was supposed to take place. Colombia, a lot of oh, in Colombia, Colombia. Did they say that in the movie? (laughs) (laughs) The main song of the movie i think starts out with the word columbia (laughs) (laughs) did not catch that yeah i yeah i am almost positive um i was just freaking out at the visuals (laughs) (laughs) you were just so overwhelmed (laughs) yeah okay um yeah it was specifically columbia and i'm trying to think of how else maybe that was directly if that was directly communicated outside of that song, or maybe I'm just so aware that it was in Colombia because I have actually done a lot of reading about the movie after the mm. fact too. Yeah, I did hear that while well, I was talking about it with Joseph and he was saying he'd heard some NPR interview about how this Colombian community like felt very represented and mm-hmm. like this was their little town. So, okay, yeah. I did not catch that in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Need to pay better attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like ambiguous or maybe not (laughs) ambiguously brown and black (laughs) this this magical land of diversity and i think that was the thing too is that like they they said it in colombia because it was such a mixing pot of these indigenous peoples Mm. as well as like um hispanic and and so that's reflected in the the family too right you have like Mm -hmm. you have people who look very different because they are very different uh, ethnically so yeah Yeah. so that's pretty cool yeah yeah very good job did the abuela have a gift well i'm just recalling yeah so i think that it was very much like uh i've read things and i i agree with this too where mirabelle's quote-unquote gift 
is very similar to Abuela in the sense that she doesn't have any of these, you know, very specific gifts, but her gift is creating that family and that connection Mm -hmm. of family. And so it's kind of like, well, Mirabel doesn't have any gifts on her own, but Mm -hmm. she's clearly going to be the person who brings this family sort of into the next generation and into the future. Right. Okay. And so I think it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, Abuela came from the generation of just like, it was survival. And Mm -hmm. it was like, these are the things that help us. And so you're only going to focus on these things and everything Mm -hmm. else, it doesn't matter. Right. And, and then I think Mirabel is like, these are the things that are going to help us in the future. Mm -hmm. And so these are the things that we as a family need to be able to do and talk about. So, yeah. So you are very much Mirabel. This podcast is very much Mirabel. This podcast is Mirabel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She's uh, the third cousin. (laughs) It's also funny because I was, I had read something where it was like, um, all of these, white people watched it and were making comments of like, what? Abuela is the villain. She never even really said sorry. And then all of these people who are like in BIPOC families and like, you know, intergenerational are like, they're all like, oh my God, it was such a big step for Abuela to admit that her own trauma affected the way that she was trying to control her family. Like, that's so huge. Oh <laughs> so, my gosh. Yeah. It's differently, I think, depending on the cultural <laughs> yeah. background of your family. It's like, what, the family didn't sue Abuela? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not fighting over who gets Casita when she passes yeah. away. Like, what? <laughs> Abuela causing all this anguish and the family doesn't even approach her legally. What? <laughs> <laughs> they don't serve her with papers or something. <laughs> emotional damages. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was like that movie was also interesting because it was it was a step further f- with like the parents like the the abuela admitting that it was like mm-hmm. I see how my behavior and like and and that also that I'm a hurt person too. Not yeah. that like, oh yeah, I should have been better. It's like, no, I was I got fucking hurt because my husband got murdered. By yeah. the guerrilla yeah. army, which really yeah. the real villain of Encanto is imperialism when you think about it. So, this is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like a lot of the movie was like everybody except Mirabel just like suppressing that reality yes. and the crumbling home, not to spoiler alert, <laughs> the crumbling home around them mm-hmm. because they didn't want to or couldn't, didn't have the capacity to, you know, see everything from above and what was actually going on yeah yeah definitely real real themes there yeah yeah I think it was super well done I was very surprised by it I didn't really know what to expect I just kind of read some things that it was like oh and Kanto is addressing all forms of you know family trauma and generational trauma and I think it did it in a very very interesting way I think I had watched it um or I hadn't watched it yet, actually. And when we were when I was back in Arizona over Christmas, and it had just come out, right? And we were talking about it. And I think your mom was like, "What is what is that movie supposed to be about?" And you just very like flippantly were just like, "Uh, generational trauma." And I was like, "What it is?" And so then I watched it, and I was like, "Oh wow, it is." <laughs> so yeah, I think it hit differently, kind of knowing that too, of just like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, okay, I can definitely see how this this is the message of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was a per- it was a great mix between like four young kids, where you know there mm-hmm. are some things where in these other movies like Inside Out, where we're saying like the the themes are very deep, 
but the animation of it and the storyline of it is maybe not super relatable mm. for little kids. Whereas I think Encanto, it took something that was like a very serious topic, but actually made it visually too stimulating for you, mm. but maybe just stimulating but, enough but, for a young child so young to keep children. them engaged. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, a... So, go ahead. Do your kids respond to that, at, like the emotional parts of it, yeah, when actually, they watch movies or TV? It's funny. I was actually just going to say that it's, it's really mm-hmm. interesting watching them watch the movies because there will be parts of a movie that I, I don't think are scary. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm an adult. I don't find <laughs> it scary. And, and it's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, the kids will get kind of scared. And it's yeah. like, it's not always the things that are supposed to be scary that they get scared of either it's maybe just the animation is darker or like you know the the music is a little bit eerier or something but then also i think that at least my older kid who's three he definitely absorbs the emotional themes of the movies because Mm -hmm. there will be times where it's not like a very you know visually uh like stimulating scene or anything that's going on but he's really engrossed in it and it'll be like a very heavy scene and you can just see that in his face that he's like absorbing all of it. And sometimes if it's really heavy or sad, he'll just kind of start like whimpering a little bit. Like it's oh. really sad. But it's it's amazing that he can pick up on it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and so then it's kind of a, a matter of like helping him process that, I guess, as he yeah. gets older too. But yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I guess when you do think about it, it's like the a kid that age or younger, they don't really have context to mm-hmm. compare that mm-hmm. to so it's like everything for the first time and all on screen with all of these dramatic noises and undertones and that's a lot wow. yeah yeah I mean I think that a, a movie like Encanto is definitely it's it's a great movie for little kids in the sense that it looks great sounds great like the music's great the animation's great mm-hmm. but they're not hopefully hopefully he is not feeling the themes of generational trauma because hopefully <laughs> I am not putting that on him, right? Yeah. So he's not like looking at that and he's like, oh, I see how my mom has been affected by this. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that'll come later in life when he's doing a podcast with his cousin <laughs> in like 30 years and they're talking about it. Yeah. He's like, I listened to all my mom's podcasts from like 2022 and oh my God. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's going to happen at some point. It's going to oh, be... Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Um, but I do think, you know, if you can relate or not or like directly in your family or, you know, or not to these movies, I think it's it's important to be able to watch something like that and think maybe this isn't affecting my generation in this way. I'm not saying this was my experience, but maybe this isn't affecting my generation in this way. But I see, oh, this is maybe what, you know, my grandparents and my parents mm-hmm. were going through. And this helps me understand kind of what was behind that. Or maybe, you know, you have a friend whose family is like this. I think that's a wonderful thing about the themes in these movies and this theme in general, especially, you know, generational experiences and differences. It's like, so many people can relate. So if it helps you understand somebody else outside of yourself mm-hmm. even more, that's an amazing tool packaged up in a, a great Disney movie. Yeah. So Disney really, really doing the work there. Yeah. <laughs> this episode started out a little rough with some hot takes of Disney, <laughs> and now it's just like a fan episode. Disney. <laughs> like, no, I should say not Disney redo- doing the work. Disney redeeming itself. Re- yes. Year by yes. year. Again. <laughs> Please accept our apologies <laughs> and come to Disney on Ice this summer. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> we record that commercial to close out this episode. Yep, uh-huh. <laughs> but it, <laughs> I think it's it's like when we talked about the early movies, though, and and like I think. Like, you know, we talk about this podcast and how these discussions are going to be a bit of a time capsule, right? Of like, my kids are going to be able to listen to this and know what I was thinking at the time when they were little kids. And that's amazing because I would love to know what my parents were thinking about at the time. And I think that because Disney is so pervasive and influential in the culture since our childhood and since before that, since going back to like when they, you know, originally bought out the rights to all of the fairy tales, essentially, Mm -hmm. that... looking at their movies over time, it is like a time capsule about what society was like at that time, you know? And so understanding that it's like, well, yeah, of course our generation of women has some fucked up beliefs about things because we grew up with stories like Cinderella and Snow White and Ariel, you know? And it's exciting to think about like what kids are growing up with now and how that's going to affect how they're going to be as adults too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you, Disney, for doing the work, because it, mm-hmm. it would be really hard to parent my kids if it was still just content like that shit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> of like, nope, you may not watch this. This theme is bad. And I think yeah. just being like myself too, being very aware of what's being presented in a movie mm-hmm. and not shielding my kids from it, but at least understanding that it's like, hey, this is how this is supposed to be interpreted or this is how it might be interpreted mm-hmm. and just yeah. preparing them for that. of like, yeah, it is yeah. It is like the themes in some of these movies are pretty heavy. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's one of the pluses about just the abundance of content and streaming content these days too is that as a parent, you're not just beholden mm-hmm. to these shows and movies with these very stereotypical dangerous themes you know you can choose to expose your kids to all of these different stories and different ways of thinking maybe that's that's a plus of of this day and age yeah that's a disney plus (laughs) if you sign up with the promo code (laughs) tubgus you will get an error message Uh, (laughs) yeah and on the flip side of it it's like oh my god so much fucking content out there that's like directed at kids that is varying levels of quality that is like trying to filter that out as a parent is really Mm -hmm. tough. And so there are some things that are nice to be able to rely on of like, okay, if they come out with something and it's horribly offensive, like that's going to fuck their brand. And so like they're probably not going to do that. Yeah. And like random YouTube channels. Yeah. Yeah. brainwashing content for kids disney there's maybe some ethics behind it yeah or where it's like oh yeah what's this video that you're watching oh a russian toy unboxing video no i don't think we need that kind of content no No. yeah so again play it safe with disney yes thank you for doing the work disney (laughs) creating content that is not super damaging to children anymore yeah anymore (laughs) you have done some damage but i we see you working past that (laughs) thank you for working through your shit so that you can help me work through my shit (laughs) all right and on that note i think that wraps our discussion for this week yeah all right thanks for listening thank you disney thanks for disney thanks for listening watch some (laughs) disney i guess watch encanto (laughs) bye-bye bye everyone Thanks for listening to Double Cuzzies, where we're cousins and friends, but most importantly, we're family. Bye. Bye.